0: So someone went and told me, Cody, like toothpaste, man, the inflation on toothpaste this year, it's like 500%. I'd be like, okay, well, I spend. Welcome to the Fi Show, where you get a behind the scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show. Today, we're going to be talking about inflation. It is a word that I've seen all across my different social media channels. Is it something we need to worry about, or maybe not so much? But before we get into all that, let me check in with my co-host, Justin. What is going on, man?
1: Well, Cody, one thing that doesn't get impacted by inflation is free stuff, right? So if it's (laughs) free times an extra 50%, still free. One of my favorite things is on Veterans Day to go out and get some of the free food that's offered and some of the free services. So got me a haircut at Sport Clips, which comes with like the massage and the, and the hot towel and the shampoo and all that, something I would normally not treat myself to, but that was free and also got a good bit of free food. Actually kind of strategically got things that I thought I could bring back home and use as pizza toppings. And so then, you know, I made me a few pizzas and extended that out. Also, as part of this, you know, we are going to be talking about transportation and and automobiles. And I've had a a lot of deep dive into looking at purchasing a new vehicle. And so this past weekend I kind of planned out what that was what that trip was going to be like. Because I am traveling all the way to Philadelphia from Austin to get the truck. But when you factor in all the amount that I'm going to save, plus I looked at it as an opportunity to take a little bit of a road trip. Like what else would be better when you get a brand new vehicle that you're excited about than taking it on the road and getting to stop and see some friends along the way and, you know, pop in to your hometown and just like get to use the thing you just bought. So some people think maybe it's a little crazy to go all the way to Philadelphia and drive it back to Austin. But to me, it's like you bought a car to drive it. So let's let's have some fun with it. Part of the reason we decided to do this is because kind of keep hearing these arguments and fear around inflation, whether it be You know, some people think that we're about to enter just a crazy amount of inflation, which there's no real way to know. But there's there's also people who get really freaked out about just in particular pieces, like these one individual parts, such as gasoline. And yes, gas has went up a lot, but gas was more expensive in 2008 than it is right now. It has also been pretty much like not affected by inflation for years, which is not normal. Like that shouldn't happen. So things should get more expensive people should make more money that is kind of the natural progression of things and also when you think about you know like what part of your your budget it is and there's all these arguments about which political parties impact your gas prices and that's not what we want to really discuss today you know i don't think but i think we will get into how do you calm those fears so that was part of what led me into that with some of the conversations i had this past week what about you cody
0: Yeah, well, before I get into what I did this past week and weekend, Justin, I think it's just important because I think a theme of this episode is going to be being creative. And you don't have to be as creative or as crazy as, you know, driving from Austin to Philadelphia to get a truck. But I think that's a huge theme in the FI community and fighting against inflation. You don't have to just take that number and you're like, oh, that is going to be the increase to my budget this next year. There are a lot of cool hacks there are a lot of cool ideologies and different ways you can kind of get around inflation. But to get back to what I did this past weekend, had an awesome weekend, by the way, I was in Cincinnati for the economy conference, which if you haven't heard of it before, go and check out episode 125 with Diana Merriam. She's the founder of economy. And basically what she did was she got a lot of the biggest and brightest and best in the space, thought leaders and people just in this community. And not only that, there was people I met there that had never even heard of FI or FIRE before people who are just lit up. People who are excited about this. There's a bunch of sessions. I actually ended up leading a side hustle breakout session. And coincidentally, it was at the same time Mr. Money Mustache was having a session on One More Year Syndrome. And so I was like, oh man, no one's going to come to my session. It was packed, Justin. Packed house. There wasn't <laughs> even enough seats for people. There was standing room in the back. So I was pumped up about that. People are excited about FI and side hustles and got to reconnect with old friends make a bunch of new friends got to check out the city of Cincinnati did a walking tour downtown and yeah overall it's just refreshing I have some you know new business ideas I have some new ideas around episodes and guests in the future so all in all it was pretty awesome but that's enough of our personal updates Justin let's take a quick moment for our sponsor today many small business owners are busier than ever and I can definitely attest to this So much time spent searching for, interviewing the wrong candidates, the wrong people to hire for a job opening, that could be spent on growing your business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it much easier to actually find candidates that are worth interviewing. So it's not just wasting your time. And the best part is that it's free. As someone who owns a couple small businesses, I can tell you how important it is to actually get that right team in place because once you start to outsource strategically, you can start to focus on the bigger picture stuff for your business. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to find those perfect people to join your team. There's over 750 million people on the platform and there's candidates with every skill you can imagine and definitely one that can fit your wants and needs. Plus, with a company as big as LinkedIn, they do a really good job actually filtering through candidates and prioritizing who you'd like to interview, who you'd like to hire, and who's a good fit for your role. This is an opportunity to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash That's linkedin.com slash to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So the biggest category in most people's budgets, Justin is housing. And so we have this little sheet in front of us with just the average inflation over the past year. And it looks like housing has increased by 3%. And a lot of times you might think, okay, housing, there is nothing I can do about that. I like where I live. I like the apartment or house that I'm in. I'm just going to have to eat this 3%. I am going to challenge that a bit, depending on how creative you want to get. But Justin wanted to hear your thoughts on housing.
1: Well, I think you said a couple key words there, which is you like where you live. And, you know, that's it's its choice you're making. So sometimes with things like that that are getting more expensive, it sucks. But if you want to take control of that, then there are options for you. It's just like oh, that risk reward or whatever, that cost benefit analysis, I guess, more right term. Like you have these other options that you can do. You could get a roommate in some situations. Maybe you don't want a roommate. Okay, but like you could, and you could lower that expense. Maybe you could move to a part of town that hasn't quite gotten completely gentrified. Like maybe those breweries and those cool places aren't quite there yet, but you can see the foundations being poured. You know they're coming. Also there's, you know, opportunities to downsize. Like maybe you like having, you know, two extra guest bedrooms for when people come through. But maybe you realize, you know what, the couple times a year that somebody's staying with me at the house, I can pull out a blow-up mattress and they'll still have a good time. It'll all be fine. So like I think it's it's kind of like a preference if that is your priority. To have those preferences versus the amount of money you can save and that's just a personal decision you're gonna to have to make but to understand like it's not like you're handcuffed there's nothing you can do what do you think cody
0: i definitely want to echo that because i think most people i talk to want to you know get their spending as low as possible hit the five journey get that gap between their income and their expenses and a lot of people don't want to move and i totally get that but the house i stayed at on airbnb this past weekend is a beautiful house in downtown cincinnati and they just decided to convert this area. It was like a loft. It had you know a couch for sleeping is what, what I slept on. I had my mom who I brought to economy with me for it was a present to her. We hadn't been on a five trip since early 2018. She slept up in the loft, and it was just like a cool way that this couple that owned the house, they were super nice. They now have an income stream. Like they get a couple hundred dollars from me and my mom sleeping there over the weekend. Whereas, you know, someone else, like you mentioned, might just have this reserve guest room that gets used once a year. Maybe if you're creative about it, if you want to even like partition it off from the rest of your house, bust out a wall, create another door if you really want to go that crazy with it, probably costs a couple thousand dollars up front, but that could be a potential hundred or multi-thousand dollar revenue stream down the road. So it's really all about getting creative. Like again, this is a beautiful home. These people didn't have to do this. They totally didn't have to let me and my mom go and sleep in their little lofted apartment that they created, but they did. And now it's an awesome revenue stream and a huge hedge against inflation. Cause even if their property taxes and all the stuff they can't control goes up and they love living there, you know what? Airbnb prices are probably going to go up as well. So, you know, me and my mom, five years down the road, when we go to Cincinnati, it's probably going to be a bit more expensive to rent that out. So it's a nice hedge against that. That cost that they can't really get around.
1: I think it's also an interesting point about home ownership, which obviously we just bought a home. We bought it in an area that has been hit by way more than 3% increase in housing. I mean, you're talking closer to 50%. And so people could argue that like we're crazy for buying a house right now. And obviously, part of the reason we did it is because I have access to a VA loan, so I don't have to put any money down. So there's no opportunity cost from money that I, I could have had in the market. Also, you know, I don't think Austin is going anywhere, but really the big thing for me is once you get to a certain point in your five journey, it's more about like making sure that the really bad stuff can't hurt you than it is about just like building that nest egg and inflation. If it went rampant, it, it could be, I mean, like when we had Bill Burgeon on the show, he said inflation is the biggest risk to someone who has early retirement in their plans when you buy a house, there is no inflation on your mortgage. It is what it is forever until you pay the house off. So that is one, you know, really interesting thing. If you have a huge fear around inflation, it might be a time to kind of reassess the rent versus buy. And there's so much that goes into that argument of rent versus buy, and there is no clear cut answer. But if that is a big fear of yours and you could alleviate that and say, you know what, this is maybe more expensive cost to me than it would be if I just rented a place But I know this is my worst case scenario forever. If that gives you some peace of mind, it might be worth it.
0: Lots to chew on, but I think we debunked that one that it is not the be all end all. There are ways to get around inflation with housing. Next one is transportation. So I'm going to further go down the niching of transportation into like buying a new and a used car. And Justin, you just talked about you were getting very creative buying this truck, whereas someone else might just go to the dealership. They might drive it off the lot and end up spending tens of thousands of dollars more than they might doing the method you're doing so just for some statistics used cars were up 26 percent this year and new cars were up 10 percent this year justin you're really close to this right now i'd love to hear like some creative solutions and i just want to point out also that that's the average it doesn't mean that every single used car has gone up by that much and it doesn't mean that every single new car has gone up by that much but justin take it away
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely true that not every uh, used car has done that because, unfortunately, my Ford Fusion has not gotten pumped up as high as some of the, some of the vehicles <laughs> I've seen. So, like, when I go to sell it, I'm probably not going to make out like a bandit. I mean, I'll get a solid price for it, but I think if you had to boil this topic down to, like, really one word, it's patience. So, what is leading to the inflation that is more rampant in cars than some of the other things? Although, all these things are being impacted somewhat by, like, supply chains, right? When you had the pandemic, it backed things up. Plants were shut down. Things weren't made. You have a whole computer chip shortage, which every car has in it. Now you don't have as many cars coming out. There's still as many people wanting to buy them. So that's what's going on. People can't go to their dealership and get the car they want. So they go to find a used one. And because so many people are doing that now, that supply and demand, used cars have really been impacted. And I think you mentioned the statistics, but like the used car market is like two and a half times more impacted than the new car. Why is that? It's patience. Like I can't just walk over to my dealership and get it. But if I cannot hop on Craigslist or Facebook marketplace and get the car I want tomorrow, like it's, you know, you got to have that immediate dopamine hit or whatever you got, you got to, you got to get that fix. The other thing too when, with patients and the difference between like what I paid for mine versus what you're seeing in a lot of places, I went and looked at a lot of trucks and because of the shortage, they know that they can charge more than the sticker price. There's a lot of dealerships, a lot of dealerships that are marking up off MSRP an extra $5,000 on, on a vehicle. I found a dealership who's actually doing below invoice. So if you take a vehicle that is supposed to be say thirty seven thousand and then you find somebody who gives you some discounts plus below invoice and you get it for like thirty thousand versus that same thirty seven thousand dollar car that's marking it up five thousand because they're trying to gouge people because there's such a supply problem. Now all of a sudden you've got a twelve thousand dollar difference in it. That's a big difference. So yes, am I flying to Philadelphia and driving it back? Sure. Am I making a good time out of it? Yeah. You know what I took, a am taking an $85 flight to Philadelphia one way. I purposely made it so that I'm going to get into Denver in the afternoon where there's a Centurion lounge. I'm going to have a nice dinner, some drinks if I want it. I'm going to get there about 630 at night. I'm going to have my food and drinks. I'm going to get on a plane at midnight. I'm going to sleep on the plane. I'm going to wake up in Philadelphia at about 630 in the morning where there's another Centurion lounge. I'm gonna have a nice breakfast. Then I'm gonna get on the train and go near the dealership where I have negotiated that they will come pick me up. So I don't have to pay money for a lift. I'll get my truck and then I'll drive and I'll, you know, I'll stop in DC and I'll see some friends and I'll stop in Nashville and see some friends and I'll go back home to Mississippi. So to me, to save $12,000, yeah, I think that sounds like a pretty good trade off. <laughs>
0: And for those who are thinking, Justin, that sounds like the craziest mission ever to save that money. Like, I can't get the time off from work. That just seems like too much. I know you have a pretty cool framework. We talked about it. Man, I don't even remember which episode it was on, but your used car buying strategy. I think that would be interesting, even though, you know, it might be a little bit harder to find that diamond in the rough. I know you have like a certain number of years you're looking for and a certain price point where then, you know, three years later after that, you can usually sell it back for a similar price to someone else. We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis in my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth. One dashboard, everything in one place you know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug-and-play tools that you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience, and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash fyshow, all lowercase, That's shopify.com slash fyshow to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash fyshow. Now back to the show.
1: Yeah, historically, if you would look for a car that was three to four years old, maybe it had like 50,000, 60,000 miles on it. And obviously, you're, you're trying to find a car, you get a good deal. It's like the same thing we get when we have real estate guests on. You know, they say you make your money when you buy it. It's all about like, did you get a good deal when you bought it? And then you drive it for three years, sell it right before you hit that $100,000 mile marker because there's just some kind of mental barrier there where people will pay a premium for something under $100,000. And then, in my experience, you could sell it for just a fraction of a decrease in the original cost. Now, with inflation hitting used cars, and I don't think it's like long-term inflation. I think it is literally a supply chain problem. So I think when we're having this discussion in... 2023, like our used car is gonna be selling for more than what somebody bought it for new? No, that's insane. I mean, but I I literally know people who are selling their car so that they can go buy a new one because they can sell it to like Carvana for more than what they just I talked to a friend who's got a a Tesla model three. It was like the thirty-five thousand dollar model. Carvana offers them like fifty-two or fifty-five thousand. And they're just going to sell it to them and have a new one ordered and delivered to the new city they're moving to. It Again, it's just patience. It's because there's somebody who wants a Tesla so bad and there are no Teslas for them to get their hands on that they'll just buy a used one for a ridiculous price while you could just wait and get that new one. Once those supply chain things clear out, there won't be people who will be willing to pay over a new price for a used car. And then I think we'll be able to get back into that mode where you kind of buy a car that's like three years old, 50,000 miles, sell it after three years, you know, around that 90,000 mile mark.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The key phrase you just mentioned is when that supply chain shortage ends, because it's not going to be forever. So if you're so dead set on getting that new car in 2022, maybe you rethink that. Maybe instead you wait out another year, keep driving that car that might be a little bit old, but, you know, maybe it's paid off and (laughs) paid off things are not subject to inflation, although maybe you know, the excise tax or the gasoline, which we'll talk about in a bit, stuff like that. But you don't have to get that new car right away. Like maybe you're just a little bit more flexible on the date that you're purchasing the car. So once things kind of get back to normal, once there is a huge inventory of used cars, once all these supply shortages kind of stop and new cars are on the market more, then you know, that might be an even better time to to buy that car. So I think that's that's an important part too. So we talked about housing talked about transportation the third big one the big three is food so groceries kind of all across the board but i took an average here about five to fifteen percent increase on most normal items justin i don't think there's a better person to dive into this category than you (laughs) and i know for me like i'll go into a grocery store and i'll be you know trying to get the best deals. I kind of have an idea of what I want and the types of things I want to buy, whether it's like this amount of vegetables and this amount of grains and this amount of meat if I'm buying meat that week. But you have just gamified the heck out of this and are spending an incredibly low amount of money. I'm curious, one, if your grocery bill has increased from this five to 15% jump that I saw. And two, if it hasn't, what are you doing to avoid that?
1: Yeah, I really haven't noticed much of inflation in my grocery budget. And this, it's, this will be a similar thing to with, with gas too. If you already have such a low amount of a grocery budget, if it does increase 15%, really not that big a deal. Like if you're already only spending $60 a month on groceries, and now all of a sudden you're spending 70 like that doesn't really like change your life or your impact towards five. So that's one part is if you already kind of got it wrangled in, then inflation can't hurt you as much. If your grocery budget is $4, then that 10, 15%, you know, that starts to add up. So the lower that base is, the the less inflation kind of impacts it. The other thing is I've always said, like, unless you're hosting like a party and you got to do some kind of traditional Thanksgiving meal, that's your grandma's recipe. Don't take like a verbatim shopping list and say, I've got to buy this. It's got to be this brand. It's got to be this thing. It's got to be... Just go in there and kind of let take what the grocery store gives you, right? And so, like right now, bacon is up like insane. I know it sucks, but maybe you don't get bacon this week. Maybe 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 you get something different. Also, vegetables have been impacted less than a lot of the other things. So maybe you swap your diet a little bit to a more vegetable-heavy thing. Also, normally grocery store is going to be running something on like a crazy sale to get you in the door. And so just take advantage of that. You know, maybe in your head you were thinking you know, I really want some broccoli, but you get to the grocery store and they've got green beans for a dollar a pound. Okay. You're swapping out broccoli for green beans. It's not the end of the world. I mean, they're, you know, they're both green vegetables, like just not being so dead set in what you have to have. So we talked about patience earlier and now this is more about that flexibility.
0: I think it's the same thing as well for eating out, which is increased by an average of 6%. It's like just maybe eat out less, (laughs) like instead of eating out eight, days or four days per month, whatever your normal eat-out schedule is, maybe you just cut that down by one. If, again, you're someone who's, this is really affecting, who it's causing financial struggle. Because I think you should take all of this advice with a grain of salt. If you do want that new car and you can afford it, go and get the new car. If you do want to get the premium groceries, the premium brand, and that's like, that is so important to you, then go and do that. But the reason Justin and I wanted to put out this episode today is for those of you who don't want to get sucked into the inflation and want some of these roundabout ways and again it's kind of patience seems like a big theme in this episode so far getting creative so like Justin said instead of the broccoli maybe you get the green beans it might not be the exact thing that you wanted but it's creative it's just taking a slightly different path than you were intending and the same thing with something like eating out or going out to entertainment because I know entertainment has been affected as well like going to the movies maybe you just do that you know a little bit less than you were before or you find some of these creative hacks like I know we just had Todd on who was talking about secret shopping. He's still doing that today, even though he's a multimillionaire. He's getting these free meals. He's going to the movies for free. There's always this little like backdoor creative route that you can take that's going to save you money in some way.
1: Another interesting thing with like going out to eat is most of the time at restaurants, the, the serving size is just way too big, right? Like If you eat everything that they bring out, including like if there's like rolls or chips and salsa or whatever. Like if you eat everything they bring out, you're miserable most of the time. Or you're taking home leftovers and now all of a sudden you've got food you're eating in your home that is way more expensive than food you could have prepared yourself and you're not getting that kind of ambiance and social aspect of it. So not as much value there. I mean, I understand to overpay for food when it's fresh and prepared for you and you're being waited on and you got this experience. But once you bring it into your home, you kind of lose some of that. So a way around that, what we always do is we pick a meal out that we want and we split it instead of both getting a meal. Now, even if something is inflated by 20 percent, but you're now only getting one meal instead of two, you could actually go out to eat more often than you are now. If you're going out to eat now and both of you are getting a meal. So that's another interesting way to think about it is even with inflation, you could go out more often if you just ordered less each time you go out.
0: And I think a reason, I mean, for me anyway, a reason why a lot of people do go out to eat is for the social aspect or just for the ambiance. It's not for the food per se. So even if you are a little bit hungry after, say, splitting a meal, because Lauren and I do this as well, or sometimes we'll get an app and a meal and we'll split both. Even if you are a little bit hungry, like you just have a little snack at home afterward, because a lot of times you're going out to hang out with friends or just to get out of the house and to experience new flavors. So, yeah, I think that's a really important point, Justin. I do want to talk about, we've been kind of teasing it the whole episode, we'll use gasoline kind of as the base example, but gasoline and then other small stuff, like other things that comprise a really small part of the budget, and we can talk about you know, the, some of the arguments you were having with people who were just so upset that now it cost them $70 rather than $60 to fill up their truck.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, like, there's a lot there where back, you say, 20, 30 years ago, a car is going to get half of the gas mileage it gets today on average, so... Cars are so much more efficient now they're using so much less gas. Also gas has been hovering around that kind of 2 to 3 dollar range for gosh, I mean, you know what, 20 years? I don't like it's 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 not really been increasing in price. I mean, it has got higher than it is now. It's got lower than it is now. It's just kind of ebbed and flowed, and that's because like people can control the market, right? They can control how much supply is coming. But, like we were talked about earlier, how much of a part of this of your budget is it anyway, because that's something you can control to an extent. I know some people have a job where they need to travel an hour out back, you know, via car. And so that you know that should be more important to them. They probably need to focus more on how many miles per gallon they're getting than they do on gas prices because that's something they can impact more. But if you think about like ways that you could cut out trips, like if you think about, Okay, now you're running the grocery store and you're on the hardware store and you do this. If you think about like, okay, can I do all that in one go? Like just being a little more strategic. Also, for some people, you know, they get really scared about this long term. I personally think because, again, supply and demand long term, we're going to be totally fine. Because what you saw back when there was a ton of inflation with gasoline and whatever it was, the 70s, 80s, how did they solve for that? Like how did they help relieve some of that? They started setting speed limits that were lower. They started increasing the miles per gallon that cars were getting. What's that doing? That's using less gas. Because if you're going slower, your car gets is more efficient. You're using less gas. So there's more supply and the price comes down. What's gonna happen when thirty percent of cars are electric vehicles and then fifty and then set there's gonna be so much less demand for gasoline. And then to the point to where domestically we can supply all the oil we need we don't need to rely on anyone else now there probably will be a day 100 years from now whatever where buying gasoline is like buying specialty fuel for a little rc car where you got to go in and you got to get your five gallon jug of gas and it's like at a specialty store and it costs god knows what and it's only the only reason you've got it is because you've got some antique collector car But like we're a long way from that. And, uh, you know, at that point, you'll just be using electricity, not gas anyway. So that's kind of my feelings on gasoline.
0: And I just like gasoline as an example, because like you said, it comprises such a small percentage of most people's budgets. So someone went and told me, Cody, like toothpaste, man, the inflation on toothpaste this year, it's like 500%. I'd be like, okay, well, I spend maybe $20 on toothpaste for the year. So now I'm going to spend $100 like that's not really going to impact my fry journey at all. That's not a huge line item, even after 500% inflation. So I think people just need to take everything with a grain of salt and see like, how much on an actual dollar value amount is this going to affect my budget? Like, is the price of gasoline increasing by whatever percent really making that much of an impact? And if it is, then, you know, there are ways around that. You can buy, like Justin was talking about, an electric or a hybrid vehicle. I know there's a ton of people in this community who bike a lot. And if biking is something that is possible and feasible in your city or wherever you're at, that's a great way to save on gas if the weather permits it. So there are, again, a lot of ways around it. It's always just getting creative. But, you know, the small line item stuff in your budget, even if it gets 50% inflation, like gasoline, it might not be breaking the budget at all. So, Justin, I think we've touched on most of the major or at least most of the major categories when it comes to inflation, but I think one of the best ways to hedge against inflation is with income or with an income producing asset.
1: Well, we talked about earlier how with, with housing, right? If you bought a house versus renting and you're afraid that rent is going to keep increasing or house prices are going to keep increasing with inflation. It's just year over year and it's going to continue. It's going to get out of control. You can set that right now and keep that basis. You can set your cost basis now that will never increase. Now this again, that does not mean I'm saying blanketly everyone should buy a house versus renting because I'm a big believer that there are situations for both. Also, with investing in like the stock market, as products get more expensive, as the GDP grows, yes, can they be impacted short term via like a spike in inflation because they, you know, all of a sudden now consumers get nervous and they're not spending as much money for a, a bit. Yes, but long term, if everything is getting more expensive, then also these companies' valuations are going to get more expensive. And if you bought that stock early on, all that inflation eventually is going to come back to you in a positive way. So yeah, Cody, I mean, I think if you're afraid inflation is really going to be a big problem, then be a part of the problem. Get right on that train as it is growing.
0: Couldn't echo that more. I think having those assets that rise with inflation, because, you know, in the examples we've been talking about today, if consumer goods are increasing in price, then, you know, own an index fund that has all these consumer goods producers that are increasing their prices and therefore increasing their bottom lines you're going to be a part of those gains so you know you see all those graphics or I've been seeing a lot of graphics on Instagram on Facebook about like the person who invests versus the person that doesn't invest and you know how keeping your money in a savings account versus keeping your money invested in the stock market the differences are astronomical over a couple of decades like hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars because the people that are investing they're riding the wave of inflation they're going up the hill Whereas the people who maybe have their money, you know, under their mattress or in their checking or savings account, they're unfortunately not experiencing those same gains, but they might be subject to some of these inflationary pressures and spending more in some of these categories we talked about today. That's actually a great argument
1: that I always use for people who are struggling to get into the market, to start investing in something because I was there, like I really struggled to invest. I was very nervous about it early on and, you know, 2015 when I first started investing, But when you kind of do this mental trick where you ask yourself, because so inflation traditionally, you know, most people use that 3% number. So your money is worth 3% less next year than it was this year, generally, and that's not with these big spikes. What that means, right, is you're earning negative 3% interest on money that you have in an investment account. Don't ask yourself, like, do you think you can make 10%, 20%, Ten percent, twenty percent—you you got to knock it out of the park. That you've got to be the next Warren Buffett. Ask yourself: Do you think you can do better than negative three percent? If you think you can do better than negative three percent, then that means you should get your money out of the checking account and into the, an investment vehicle.
0: I think that's a great way to frame it, and just challenging those people who are afraid to take those first investing steps. Justin, hopefully this episode was helpful for everyone. I think we covered a lot and we'll definitely have some more discussions in the FI Show group. If you're not part of that already, it's thefishow.com slash community. So definitely check us out there. And if you like what we talk about in this episode, if you want a quick little summary and you want to share this with a friend, you can get the show notes at thefishow.com slash inflation. That's thefishow.com slash inflation. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at the slash community.
1: And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The FI Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefishow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening.